Welcome to the Brands Making New Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. All right, well, week two is in the books in the NFL. A lot of storylines going back and forth. A lot of overreactions, you know, which teams that are undefeated are not going to be relevant in about three or four weeks. Looking at you, Carolina. That's just the way it is. Uh, but one of the biggest things we know uh, from Monday night, Aaron Rodgers is back after the most humiliating loss probably in his entire professional career uh, against the Saints in week one. He came back with a vengeance and he really took those Detroit Lions to school. He really showed about how to play football as if... Anybody had a problem doing that ever? I mean, look at Detroit. They're a train wreck of an organization. Uh, after the game, Rodgers was talking about how he's got something to prove. You know, he's got this chip on his shoulder. Well, yeah, you should have that chip, and you do have something to prove, Rodgers. Uh, when you became vulnerable and opened yourself up and called the organization out and then forced them to get Randall Cobb on an overpriced contract, yeah, you got a lot to prove, and it's not looking good for you. Uh, next three weeks at San Francisco... Uh, home against Pittsburgh, who does not have a cupcake defense like the Lions, and then at Cincinnati, which is a rising team. You got a few cupcake games with the Bears and the Vikings. Who know where the Vikings are going to be in a couple weeks? But then they've got a brutal schedule. Arizona, Kansas City, Seattle, and the Rams. Four teams that could decimate the Packers. And so Aaron Rodgers, yeah, you've got something to prove. But if we're looking around you know, week 10, 11, and you're only at about three or four wins... Yeah, I probably would be wanting to back this stuff up. You've got a lot to prove with this schedule on track. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out for Aaron Rodgers and all the talk he did while he was vacationing with his fiance in Hawaii. You know, you got a lot to prove, Aaron. If you're going to say it, you better back it up. Now we're kind of in the midpoint of football. A lot of football stories kind of dying down. You know, there's the overhypeness there. But with that being said, with the conglomerate billionaire super mega behemoth organization the NFL is, there's other storylines that kind of pop up. Like, for instance, yesterday, there was a report coming out that there's an issue with Zion Williamson and David Griffin. A reporter from NOLA.com wrote an article about kind of the dysfunction of David Griffin and where he's come from, where he's going. And the analysis was this, basically, David Griffin is not this top-tier GM. And the New Orleans Pelicans are kind of a toxic workspace. Really? This is news to you? This this is like, sh- is this supposed to shock us? Are we supposed to be just caught off guard? You're telling me New Orleans, the Pelicans have a bad organization? That's like me walking down Bourbon Street and be like, you're telling me this place stinks? Yeah, it does. Anybody who's walked down Bourbon Street knows exactly what I'm smelling. Like, the Pelicans are not a good organization. And this article was kind of saying, like, Griffin's not a good GM. Well, of course he's not. Griffin's track record as a GM, he was hired with the Cavs a few months after the infamous decision by LeBron James. And everyone's kind of praising uh, David Griffin. Look what he's able to do. Like he packaged, you know, Wiggins and Anthony Bennett to get Kevin Love. And, you know, he was such a, a, a manager of the strategic enterprise of how he knew how to run a, the GM of the Cavs for, you know, seven years. Now, you know who ran the Cavs? LeBron James. LeBron James ran the Cavs. You lucked into the number one pick to get Kyrie Irving. You're so bad, you got multiple number one picks in like a three-year span. So you weren't a good GM to begin with. And then all of a sudden, you go in there with LeBron, decides this is the best route for me, and then you get all the moves that LeBron wants. You know, you bring in James Jones. You get his buddies to be on that team. You you know, you go out and get Kyle Korver because LeBron wants it. These weren't strategic moves by David Griffin. 
And then when LeBron votes for LA, and then the Cavs are like, you know what? We think it's time to part ways. Yeah, because he's he's an average GM. Like, you can't give him this this credentials like he's this amazing strategic. No, he was with the second best player in the history of basketball. Of course, he's going to have the stars next to his name. And so when New Orleans brings him in, it's not like he's this brilliant mastermind. He's not Pat Riley. Like, you can't give him the same credit. So when this report comes out saying, you know, there's some tensions with how Griffin handled the situation. Well, yeah, he hired the wrong Van Gundy brother as the head coach. You brought in a guy that's burned every bridge in the state of Florida, and you think, you know, this is our guy to bring in for Zion the Phenom Williamson. No, you picked the wrong dude. This isn't shocking news to any of us. And then the other stories come about this, like the New Orleans Pelicans are a train wreck. Uh, you know, you let Lonzo Ball walk. Dumb move on your part. Uh, there was a, a quote in the article saying that Bledsoe admitted that he wasn't paying attention in a game when the Knicks were playing them and they had a three-point lead and Derrick Rose blew past him for a lamp. Yeah, that, that comes from the front office. I'm not a fan of Bledsoe, but the reason why Bledsoe made that mistake is because he has a coach that doesn't hold him accountable. And who hired that coach? David Griffin. Uh, one of the most interesting points of the article was when they talked about how Griffin was trying to woo Zion Williamson, like trying to get him to you know, buy into him. And it, one of the things that said, Griffin tried hard in Williamson's rookie year to forge a bond. One example, during the Pelicans bubble stay, Griffin asked to meet with Williamson and he played the piano for him. When has that worked? I get you're trying to have some kind of aesthetic bond with the player but if I'm Zion Williamson I'm like yeah I don't know why Cannon and D is going to help me be a better defender because it's not and you don't hear these stories from you don't hear like Pete Carroll you know when Russell Wilson was having issues he's like well Pete Carroll actually took Wilson to his home and he played the harp for him when Matt LaFleur was having all these issues and talking about Aaron Rodgers it wasn't like well Matt LaFleur invited Aaron Rodgers to his home and he played him a sweet serenade on the violin. No, that's not what a GM does. It's not what a head coach does. And so when these reports coming out that David Griffin is not this amazing GM and there's a lot of tensions in New Orleans, what did you expect? You had a man who rode the coattails of LeBron James who could do no wrong before LeBron got to Cleveland after he left after the decision. He could literally do no wrong. Minus the fact, you know, like he he made some dumb, you know, boneheaded picks, or he, he had some issues with who he was drafting, and then, you know, there's nothing you couldn't do wrong with LeBron. It was only building upwards. And then you get LeBron, you go to four straight finals, and then it's like, well, it's time to let you go because you weren't running the organization. LeBron James was. So when this article comes out about how Griffin's, you know, he's not the best GM, we all know that. This isn't news to us. Bourbon Street still stinks. You'll probably get an STD when you walk down that street. So this isn't this isn't news to us. So fascinating story. How it develops, who knows? Is Williamson going to stay there? I highly doubt it, and we'll get to that in a moment. On the opposite side of the spectrum, though, you've got another star who is disgruntled with his franchise, and the the franchise really doesn't care. And I think this is just fascinating. Well, I'm talking about Ben Simmons, the uh, another native of uh, the state of Louisiana. Uh, ben Simmons made this statement today. He has vowed to never play another game for Philly. Oh, okay. Well, what's that going to get you? You mean it, it's actually going to cost you $380,000 a game. So, yeah, that you vow you're never going to play another game. Well, that's going to cost you, not us. And, and that's the thing that Philly's got all the leverage with this one in the sense of you're not going to come play for us? Okay, well, where are you going to go then? 
you're in year one of your four year deal. You're just you're just going to not show up. Someone's got to pay the bills. And so Ben Simmons doesn't have the leverage. Zion, of course, for the Griffin situation, has the leverage. He's good. He can throw fits. He can get upset. He's a 20-point-a-game scorer. He is a bad defender, but he sells tickets. He's got the leverage on David Griffin and Stan Van Gundy. That's why he got him fired. Philly doesn't care if Ben Simmons isn't happy. Well, you're not happy? Well, work on your jump shot outside of six feet. You want to get more respect? Okay, how about you make a free throw? How about you shoot more than three field goal attempts in game six? You want to talk about how you're vowed to never play another game? Well, where are you going to go? You know, you say you want to play in California. It's funny, nobody in California wants you. The only team that wants you is the Kings. And they're not even giving up De'Aaron Fox for you. Or Halliburton. Like, you don't have the leverage in this game. Uh, interesting story. Joe Laker from the Golden State Warriors, the owner, said, yeah, he's not interested in, in picking up uh, he's not interested in picking up Simmons because he doesn't think that he is worth his weight because he already has a guy that fills that role. The salaries don't match up, and Draymond Green is already basically Ben Simmons. Draymond passes probably just as well as Simmons. Draymond is just as good of a defender. Draymond is, yeah, he's a, a boisterous guy, but Draymond is the heart and soul of the Warriors. Ben Simmons is a face that doesn't like talk, and all he does is post TikTok videos of him shooting threes in the offseason. Yeah, you're not Draymond. And we're pay- the Warriors are paying way less for Draymond than you. So this whole argument that I will never play another game. Wh- what do you got on them? What are, they- what are you going to make them do? Cave to you? Force them to trade you to the Miami Heat who don't want you? Force them to trade you to the Warriors who have openly said and have now been fined $50,000 for saying we don't want you? What are you going to do? All of these things in the NBA, this-, this happens all the time with players who come out and they say, Oh, I am going to you know, force my way out of here. And this happens. It really does. That's the sad reality of the NBA. NFL players don't do this. Aaron Rodgers throws a fit. Matt LaFleur is like, great, shut up. You know, Keep playing. We love you, but you're not going anywhere, and we're going to have you still start under center. When NBA players do it, they have more leverage. That's the way the Players Association works. And when teams have done this, you look at players who have forced their way out of situations, like James Harden, uh, Anthony Davis, Kawhi. Chris Paul, Kyrie, all of them forced their way out. They didn't want to play in these situations. Two of them, ironically, were from the New Orleans Pelicans. Shocking there. When all of these players said, I don't want to play for you, they had the leverage. Harden doesn't want to play? Okay, great. You're an MVP candidate. You score 35 a game, and you're a top five player in the league. Yeah, you have the leverage to say, I don't want to play for you anymore. Houston had to trade him. Same thing with AD. Yeah, you're the best big man. Yeah, you hurt a lot, but... You score on both sides of the ball. Like you, you blocked. Uh, you're a great defender. You hit threes. You're a great post-up guy. Like yeah, you've got the leverage. All of these players had leverage. Simmons, what's your leverage? You're not going to post more TikTok videos. Is that what it is? You're you're not going to donate to you know LSU's scholarship fund. You're not going to be a contributing member of society. Is that what your leverage is? Well, you can't if you're not getting paid. It's like I was just, I'm a professor. I have a student, for example. A student's grading speeches all the time. And I've been just getting, I was doing a four-hour grading period for the last, uh, this whole night. And I had a student coming to me. It's like a student saying, hey, you know what? I didn't like the grade you gave me. And so I'm not going to keep coming to class. Okay, how's that going to affect me? It's your fault you did a bad job. You not coming to class has no impact on me. Philadelphia is not losing revenue if Simmons doesn't show up. Philadelphia's offensive production is not going down if Simmons doesn't show up. Philadelphia's defensive uh, production may go down a little bit, but you can fill that hole with Tobias Harris. 
It's not like Simmons leaves and it's like we're, we're dead to the world. It's Again, he is the annoying college student who says, hey, I don't like the grade you give me. I'm not coming to class. Well, that's on you and you're dumb for thinking that. So all of these things are very interesting going into what will be probably one of the most entertaining NBA seasons of all. Again, I'm a basketball fan, so I talk about that. But what are you going to do, Ben? You're going to force your way to San Antonio? Why do they want you? So... A lot of these things, interesting storylines, a lot of questions heading this weekend. I got a lot of stuff to think about, like what's going on this weekend. Uh, will Zach Wilson throw three or more picks? Yes, 100% yes he will. You're playing the Broncos. They actually play defense. Uh, yes, you will throw more than three picks. I would put my hand and swear an oath on a Book of Mormon that this guy will throw more than three picks. A BYU grad will do this. Absolutely. Zach Wilson, you're going to stink up the place. Uh, which NFC East team will suck more, the Cowboys or the Eagles? I don't know. Seeing as how the Cowboys have this vaunted offensive team and you know they've got great guys like CeeDee Lamb and Zeke and Dak, you only put up 17 points against the Rams, or against the Chargers, excuse me. Yeah, you're going to suck, and Jalen Hurst doesn't know how to throw a long ball. So I don't know. It's going to be a train wreck of a disaster up there. Will the Saints slow down Mac Jones' dad bond? Yeah, I, I kind of think he will. You know, his opening two games against the Dolphins ugh, and against the Jets. I want to see how Mac Jones is going to react when he has Cam, jo- Cam Jordan breathing down his neck for three quarters. You know, it's going to be a blowout, I think. Uh, unanswerable question. And this is the question going into this, or- the, this weekend. Will Doc Rivers try to pull a Ron Burgundy and play the uh, Peruvian flute and serenade Ben Simmons out of his funk? I don't know. I honestly don't know. But the way that Doc's comments were after the game, I really doubt that. That's it. I got all I got for right now. See you Sunday.